And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. 15. On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll look at hitters who powered up this year and others who lost some thump. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. It works great. In a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I'm Al Melchior. I am here with Derek Van Riper. This is for Wednesday, September 29th. And DVR, we got a lot of potential streamers on this Wednesday slate. Maybe one of the last real uh, big, uh, you know, very full slates of, of potential streamers. So let's uh, go through these and see who's worth starting in this final week perhaps off of waivers. Uh, we've got a streamer versus streamer possibility here. Brewers at Cardinals, Adrian Hauser and Miles Michaelis. We've got Drew Rasmussen, who's been a very reliable streamer, but he gets the Astros in Houston. Eliezer Hernandez at the Mets. Michael Pineda at home against the Tigers. Merrill Kelly gets the Giants in San Francisco. Daniel Lynch at home against Cleveland. Taylor Hearn gets the Angels and Paulo Espino. Maybe with so many, shouldn't have included him only because he is at Colorado, but Figure for good measure, we'll include Espino in there as well. So Hauser, Michaelis, Rasmussen, Hernandez, Pineda, Kelly, Lynch, Hearn, Espino. That's a lot. Uh, how can we we winnow down this list? You know, I think Hauser and Michaelis are both viable. Obviously, they both can't win, so choose your side accordingly if you're in a league where both are available. Uh, Rasmussen, I think, would be the most risky of these pitchers that I would consider. Espino's a no. Hearn's a no. Even Merrill Kelly, I think, is a no because the Giants' offense is so good. So Daniel Lynch is probably a toss-up for me with Rasmussen. I think Rasmussen's the better pitcher, but the Astros are such a tough matchup that I'd probably err on the side of Lynch. I'd put Michael Pineda ahead of both of them. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez ahead of Pineda. And then Hauser and Michaelis at the very top of the list. I said if I could only choose one of the two, I guess I would go Hauser because Michaelis has had a couple of significant injuries this year, and I'm still... You know, worried about possible usage for him in any given start if anything you know, dips with velocity or if he just doesn't feel good. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call with a good rationale behind it. And the thing is, a lot of these pitchers may not be available in your particular league, so good to have a wide variety to choose from. Uh, you know, I agree with you that Lynch has a good matchup here, and he's probably a little bit more likely to be available than maybe some of the others. So, uh, yeah, something to sort through. Uh, but speaking of sorting through, I have sorted yet again one of the leaderboards on the Fangraph Season Stack Grid. And so, DVR today, I thought we would take a look at year-to-year comparisons for hitter or hitter barrel rate. And just to clarify this for everybody, uh, the barrel rate that Fangraphs publishes is barrels per batted ball, not barrels per plate appearance. 
And I'm glad that Fancrafts uh, goes with that particular version of barrel rate because when you look at barrel rate per plate appearance, then you're you're also factoring in uh, strikeout rate is a part of that too. And so this way you get really just sort of an unfiltered picture of exactly how much power a hitter is hitting with when they make contact. So with that said, uh, let's go to the biggest gainers in barrel rate from 2020 to 2021. And the biggest gainer, Shohei Otani. He's pretty good, I think. Um, <laughs> so uh, part of this has been powered by a big increase in launch angle. Are you concerned about regression at all for Otani going into 2022? I mean, I think we all have to be just because in terms of how much they used him, I think they maxed it out. I, I don't know if there's a scenario in which Shohei Otani can play more often than he did in 2021. So it seems like there's nowhere to go but down. But if he only regresses slightly, if he's a 35-homer, 18-steal guy instead of a 45-homer, 24-steal guy, you're still going to be very happy, even if you're talking about someone who's going to go probably in the back half of the first round and maybe even first overall if we're talking about a league with daily moves where you can capture all of his stats. I think part of what drags Otani down is the weekly formats in which a lot of us play. Uh, I think the biggest concern overall in his profile is that even with all the success he's having, Otani is one of our stars who actually strikes out quite a bit. A 29.9% K rate is going to hold the average down a little bit. Now, projections are a little higher on average for him than what he's done so far, so he could probably still hit 265 or even 270 because of the hard contact that he makes, even if his K rate doesn't improve. All that to say... I love the fact that he's hitting the ball in the air more often. It seems like these adjustments will stick for Otani. And even if you want to be careful about his playing time, and you should be, you're still looking at a very special player going into next season. Yes, definitely. And it's not really a big surprise to see Shohei Otani at the top of this list. But the player who's right behind him, I have to say, it was a big surprise for me on two fronts. Uh, we're talking about Josh Donaldson here. And I used a 400 plate appearance uh, minimum for this year and a 100 plate appearance minimum for last year. So not really keeping apparently close uh, uh, close tabs on Donaldson's playing time. I I sort of double checked it because I wasn't sure that he cleared both of those uh, both of both of those barriers. Uh, but then just the fact too that he had that much of an increase in barrel rate this year when his power output was you know not not uh, really more than than we'd seen in the past. So. Um, you know, you look at Donaldson as somebody who I don't know. I think I've underrated him. I think others, I know others, have underrated him just based on comments that I've seen on Twitter and conversations I've had with people. Uh, but he had put up a 122 WRC plus this year. So, uh, where where are you looking at him for next year? I think if he's sitting in the 150 overall range, I'm comfortable taking him there. You got to price in the likelihood of more soft tissue injuries costing him time. But I think the appeal with Donaldson is that when he's healthy. He's not part of a platoon. He does push closer to a true everyday role. So uh, I do think that's a little bit underrated about him. The batting average has been either okay or bad, I think, four years running now. So that category is one where he's going to lag. But the power is still legit, still draws plenty of walks. Uh, and I think this is kind of a bounce back from the shortened season, too. If you look at year-to-year -year changes like this, you have some players that seem to have wider ranges. They have more variance than others. And Donaldson, I mean, he was down 8.3% in barrel rate from 
2019 to 2020. So he mostly you know, got everything back that he lost and then just a little bit more here in 2021. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, this is his highest recorded barrel rate. Uh, so while there was maybe a little bit of bounce back from uh, from a, a down 2020, uh, it was a legitimate, uh, uh, I want to say breakout because that's not exactly the right word, but uh, you know, a very good season for, for him from a power perspective, even if it didn't translate into the stats. Now, I think it is very fair to call Tyler O'Neill a breakout hitter this year, uh, single digit barrel rates the last couple of years, 17.5% this season and going with that power, which manifested itself in terms of 32 homers, 14 steals as well. So do you think this is sustainable? Mostly, yes. Uh, I think one other way that he's added some value is he's offered a lot more on the base pass this year. 14 steals and 18 attempts enter in play on Tuesday. Uh, what surprised me, too, looking at O'Neill's end-of-season numbers is that he's had more plate appearances this season with the Cardinals than he's had in the previous three seasons combined. And I think I had, in my mind, expected that O'Neill was more of a finished product because I overestimated how much he'd actually played in those previous three seasons. Now we're closer to that 1,000 plate appearance career mark. I think that gives us a much better indicator of who a hitter truly is. And if you look at O'Neill's career slash line, 257, 322, 487, that's a really comfortable sort of projection for me for 2022. That's giving a little bit back from what he's done this year, but the power's always been legit. And I do think getting eight to 10 steals from a guy like this on the bottom of your roster uh, is also a nice little valuable bonus. I think the question is going to be, how much does he cost? I mean, it was a good deal in 2021. He's not going to be a bargain at all going into next season. Is he an easy top 100 overall player for you? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, that combination of power and speed, I don't really trust the batting average this year, but uh, I don't think he needs to in the 280s to, uh, to be worth that kind of draft pick. Yeah, I think the thing that I, I like about him, even though he strikes out a lot, he's not a dead pole hitter, and because he runs well, he can do better on balls in play than other mashers do. So uh, while I don't think he's necessarily going to hit 280 again, I don't think he has like a 220 downside or anything like that that you typically associate with a player with that combination of, of K rate and power. Yeah, and a lot of line drives too. That helps as well. Uh, so next two hitters on the list, Avisael Garcia. It's just really a regression year for him in a good way after a very down 2020, pretty much finding his level again, maybe a, a little bit on top of that. Joey Votto, just a career year in terms of barrel rate, uh, one of his best years in his career in terms of power. I think we're, is it fair to say we're all probably looking at a regression next year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, never bet against Joey Votto, I guess, is the lesson here. But at the same time, father time always catches up in the long run. And if you said his rest of season slash line, which again is only projected for six games, but 250, 364, 470, according to the bat, if he did that next year, I think you'd still have to be happy with that, even though it's a pretty far cry, especially in the slugging percentage from what he did in 2021. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And I'll look at just three other players near the top of the leaderboard here. Number six and number seven, respectively, Luis Urias and Jorge Polanco, uh, who I, I've sort of viewed as kind of similar type hitters. Uh, I figure that there's batting average there. We've already seen Polanco hit for average. Uh, Urias is still more uh, potential, uh, but both really exploding power-wise this year. Uh, what do you expect for next year? What type of players do you think they'll be? You know, with Urias, I don't know how much more batting average ceiling there actually is. I think he's probably going to top out in the 260 range. He pulls the ball a lot to get to that power. And the lower K rates we saw from him in the minors seem far-fetched if he's going to keep taking hacks the way that he has. But he's a nice player overall. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that should play every day in a good hitter's park. And I actually think the power is real. With Polanco... This is an amazing transformation because he did it once before. 2019, everyone thought it was the rabbit ball, self-included, and he's exceeded that expectation in a big way. If you thought he was just going to bounce back 2019, 31 home runs this year was well beyond what you would have expected. He's done a good job hitting the ball in the air consistently again this year, keeps the K rate under 20%. I, I think this is a really solid bat in the heart of the Twins order again in 2022. All right, and speaking of the the Twins order and somebody who'd probably be uh, in the middle of it, Max Kepler, who ranks 10th. Uh, no need to really talk about Vlad Guerrero and Aaron Judge at 8-9. But Max Kepler, uh, a disappointing season in terms of surface stats. And I think I made a comment roughly a week ago on this very show that Kepler, uh, if he doesn't give you home runs, that you know he's really not doing much for you in fantasy because you know, you know the average isn't going to be there. So I was extremely surprised to see him on this list with just 19 home runs. So given that it looks like he's probably been cheated a little bit, do you see him as a potential bargain 30 home run hitter for 2022? It's possible. I, I think I would draft him expecting more of a rebound in batting average. I think he could hit 240 or 250. Another guy that plays a ton, so you might get good run and RBI totals to go along with it. If you pencil him in for another 20 home run season next year, you're probably looking at more like 25 if he simply stays healthy. And I don't think 30 is outlandish, much like Tyler O'Neill. Max Kepler quietly stealing some bases too. 10 for 10 as a base stealer, easily a career high for him. In fact, that's more steals than he's had in the last three seasons combined. Well, so much for if you're not getting home runs, you're not getting anything. <laughs> so maybe we'll get more of that next season. And then we'll just take a look at the top of the decliners leaderboard. You know, frankly, there's, there's I think, not as much to talk about here because almost all these players, it's just regression cases from spikes in 2020 that were over small samples. Uh, Will Myers, one of those, he was the biggest faller in terms of barrel rate. Dominic Smith. Uh, kind of a similar deal there. Jorge Soler at number three, a bit of a surprise. We can come back to him. I just want to uh, go through the next few. Trent Grisham, Nick Castellanos, JT Real Muto. Uh, those, those are your uh, your top, or I should say bottom six. But uh, Soler, he you know was hitting with a, a lot of exit velocity. Um, so I was a bit surprised to see him on this list, but maybe that downturn that we saw uh, earlier in the year before coming over to Atlanta, maybe there was something to that. Yeah, and he was starting from a pretty lofty place anyway, so for him to drop a lot, I mean, he could still hit enough barrels to be a 30-home run guy, I think, even with that massive drop. Um, Dominic Smith is kind of interesting if Universal DH happens or if there's a trade where he can actually play at first base. It's still more of a hit tool over power sort of profile, but I'd be really curious to see what he could do in a more hitter-friendly environment if a move outside of New York materializes. 
Yeah, that could uh, only uh, that could only help Dominic Smith certainly. And uh, so, well, that's another leaderboard in the books. Here, we'll come back with another one on the next episode. So, thank you so much for tuning in for Derek Van Riper. I'm Al Melchior, and we will be right back here with another episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 on Thursday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.